Welcome to iChurch. Oh, get ready for your blessing. For further information, visit us at iChurchOKA.com. And now, here's today's message. Teach you the basic principles of how Satan works, trying to confuse us with all the things that we come to our mind. You'll get attacked so many times. One of the basic things that's going to happen in life is decisions. We got to make decisions in everything we do, guys. Decisions, decisions, decisions. No matter where you go, left, right, you have decisions to make. You have to make decisions when you wake up. You have to make decisions of what, what, what you're going to wear. You have to make decisions of where you're going to work. You're going to make decisions of who you're going to be with. And what I want you to understand is that when you walk into the sanctuary this month and you walked in and you saw the iChurch logo all destroyed in the entrance, and you saw these detour signs and all these confusing signs when you walk up here and you see all this mess you say pastor what is it about the final objective of satan is to be able to create such confusion in your life that you feel destroyed see but he'll do that by lifting you up first he'll do that by lifting you up one of the basic principles one of the basic principles of satan and how he's playing with your mind listen guys is to confuse you with decisions you're going to have to make decisions regardless. When you woke up this morning, you decided to come here. Some people tell me, Pastor, I want you to tell me how do I follow God. Come prove, prove to me that God exists. Show me that God exists. This is how it works. I am not going to prove to you that God exists. If I have to prove to you that God exists, you will never embrace faith. Faith is a decision you made. You decided to follow Christ. I, and you say, well, pastor, it can't be that easy. That doesn't seem smart enough. There's got to be some, there's got to be some biblical, there's got to be some, some physical evidence. I want archaeological evidence of God exists. If you have archaeological evidence, you just messed it up. Faith is not having the evidence. Faith is not having the evidence and deciding to believe anyway. That's what faith is about. Faith is, hey, I have no, I have no evidence, but it's going to happen. And you say, well, pastor, prove that to me. Well, get your kid sick in a hospital dying. If you're a parent here and your kid's dying in a hospital and you have no evidence he's going to heal and you sit there, you have nothing else but faith to run to. So you'll drop to your knees and you say, oh, God, here I am. All I have is my faith. I'm going to trust you for this. And then all of a sudden people become believers. But then when, you're, when you practice believing all your life and you become a Christian, then you're highly criticized for it. But here's the thing. If you believe God, you decided to believe him. Listen, man, some of you decided ladies in this room come on all my sisters you guys decided what hairdo was the do you're gonna wear you decide you want a long hair you decide you want a short hair you decide you want a red hair you said you want a black hair we always want brown hair some of you you guys you, you girls know you're not blonde you know it you know it's all clay roll you know it's all clay roll but 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 listen but you, you it's okay it's okay you decided that see you got natural redheads like chastity you see all that clay roll redhead it's just you got natural redheads and then you got people just could not you know and i i remember years ago when nobody would be a redhead now every day well, everybody wants to be a redhead you know what and it's a decision you made now here's the problem you say pastor what does this have to do with god and what does it have to do with the bible a lot because you will have to make decisions everybody say decisions you're gonna have to make you decide what you're gonna eat you decide what you're gonna wear and I want to teach you on the introduction to this series. I'm not going to preach this series. I just want to introduce it. I'm going to start preaching next week. I just want to introduce it. And, and, and we're going to go into Jesus going into the desert. And, and that portion is in Matthew chapter 4 if you want to start reading it ahead of time for next week. But we're going to talk about Jesus going. The Bible says, and the Spirit led Jesus to the desert. And he goes into the desert. And he's going to be tempted by Satan. Okay? And we're going to go through each one of those temptations all month. But before I teach that, I want to stop for a second and show you strategy. One of the key things to victory in a war is for you to strategize. We're not, we're not succeeding in our families because we don't strategize with our families. Check this out. Football teams, they huddle. 
I don't see families huddling anymore. We need to huddle more. Come on, you have to at least say ouch on that one. We don't huddle anymore. Families need to huddle. Football teams will never win a game if they don't huddle and plan. And families are not huddling anymore. Where is dinner time where everybody sat at the table? It's not there anymore. We want marriages to succeed and our marriages are not huddling. They're cuddling, but they ain't huddling. And the truth about it is that you could kiss all you want, you could hug all you want, and it ain't going to get you through life. You got to have something deeper than that. And when you sit down with your wife or with your husband and you literally, intensively, intentionally huddle, you change it. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's uh, Stephen Covey, I think, from Seven Habits of uh, Highly Successful, what? Leader. Leader is it? People, okay. He, I think it's him. He says that we need to, it's either him or it's, uh, or it's um, Jim Collins. And, and one of them to say that, that to be successful in life, you have to be an intentional listener. You know what that means, intentional listener? It's funny because you would say, isn't every listener intentional? I don't think every listener is intentional. Have you ever heard people listening, but they're really not paying attention to what you're saying? Come on. Come on. And, and, and it, it's terrible. You know, but this is the sad part about it. You hate it when somebody does it to you, but don't you do the same thing sometimes back? We have to intentionally be listening to the person. You've got you to gotta set out and say, I'm going to pay attention. I turn to my wife, and when my wife speaks to me, I have to be an intentional listener. If not, I'm in trouble, but I have to be an intentional listener with her. I have to intentionally sit down and say, I want to pay attention to what she's saying. I have to provoke that. And what I want you to understand is that if you're not an intentional listener to God, Satan's going to speak to you. And you have to know when he's trying to speak to you. You have to know when he tries to And there's a sad part about it. You know why sometimes we don't identify Satan? Because you're expecting this. Hey, you, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> listen, listen, if Satan talked that way, nobody follows Satan. <laughs> Unless you're a crazy gothic guy who's hooked on, stoned out, you know, you're not going to follow. You're not going to follow him. He doesn't speak like that. He's got the nicest voice possible. In fact, sometimes, this is the worst part of all. His voice sounds just like yours. And you're standing there and you hear a voice and you're like, man. And, you, and you're saying things, you're declaring things and you're thinking things. And it's Satan. And you're saying, Pastor, what are you saying? Am I demon possessed? Well, I'm saying a little worse than that. Demon possessed would be pretty obvious. See, on the mission field, you find a lot of demon possessed people. You see people raising in the air. You see things levitating. And it's just easier that way. You know why? Because it's evident. Here's the sad part. When it hasn't possessed, but it's still speaking and you can't see it. And that's all around our neighborhood. It's covered your family. It's covered your work zone. Unfortunately, sometimes it infiltrates in church too. He's there, but we see it. Listen, we call it normal. It ain't normal. It's wrong. And, and you know what the thing is with decisions? That you're going to have to decide on everything in your life. And I want to prove to you how Satan works through our decisions. I call it subliminal spiritual warfare. You don't see it, 
but it's there. You guys, any of you remember those messages back in the 80s and 90s? I remember preaching as a youth pastor and putting on the CDs. I remember on CDs that you would, you would, you would, um, um, you would play backwards and you'd hear the message in there. And everybody's like the subliminal message. Any of you ever heard about the Walt Disney? I did a whole series on it. I, ha- I, I must have it somewhere on a floppy disk somewhere. Some, some of you are like, oh, what? It's, let's just say it's a different version of a USB drive, a right flash drive, um, about this big. But, but I remember producing series and showing how Satan had infiltrated himself in all our Disney movies. And you see the word sex in Lion King. And you see the word, and you, and you see it. She's like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. You know? and, and here it is. And, and it was all out there. And you got, everybody was freaking out. Oh, oh, it's in there. Oh, oh, it's in there. But it's subliminal. Check it out. Check it out. It's gotten so aggressive, it doesn't need to be there anymore. It's in our daily lives, in our community, in the way we decide. The way you decide is crucial. What got Adam and Eve into trouble? Wasn't it their decision in the Garden of Eden? Their decision in the Garden of Eden messed up the whole process. Wouldn't you love to be able to make a decision right every single time? That'd be pretty cool. Would it be pretty cool? But here's the problem. Satan knows you've got to make so many decisions that he infiltrates himself in decisions. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I want to sh- and I want to do this as a teaching method. I don't want to preach it. I want to teach you something. I want, I want to give you guys an example. Just, just look at this, guys. Let's, let's, just, let's just pick this randomly. Look how many decisions we have to make. I went personally to Walmart, okay, right here in Conover. And going to Walmart in Conover, I stood in front of the dressings. That's sick. I know, I know you guys are like, that's normal. That's why we go to Walmart. That is sick. I counted them. 168 different options. Not bottles, options. I stood there and the guy next to me ran when he saw me taking pictures and counting. I stood there and I went, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This is right there. Actually, this is not count over. This is um, um, Hickory right here on 70. I count them. 168. And I'm not even counting vinegar and different things you could mix to make your own dressing. I'm saying a hundred. You have a, you say, Pastor, what does that have to do with the sermon? A whole lot. You think that's a lot. Look, look we, have, we have this notion. There's this guy, this speaker. I can't remember his name, so I can't give him credit for it. But there's a speaker. He's a psychologist out of Brazil. And he says that it's ridiculous to see how many options. We believe, and everybody follow me. Don't fall asleep on this, okay? Because there's deep teaching, but I've got to take you there. We believe that freedom comes with the option of choices. That's what we believe. Freedom comes with the option of choices. It, it's, a, it's a worldwide dogma. If we're able to choose, then we have freedom. We call it democracy. Now, don't freak out on me. I'm not going into politics. And I'm not going against democracy either. But what I'm saying is we equivalent in our mind. Freedom is equivalent to choices. The more choices I have, the more freedom I have. And is that necessarily true? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Does freedom, does choices, are that, is that equivalent to freedom? You've got to ask yourself that. Because if it is, you give your children no freedom. Because sometimes you don't give them choices. But nowadays, we live believing that if the kid has a temper tantrum, and he's like, ah, he's slapping his mom, bah, 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 just let him relax, let him choose to be okay. Let him choose to be okay. That kid is the kid that's holding me up at the ATM machine in 16 years. Why? Because there was no action of discipline on him. 
There was no action of discipline on him. So, so you're, 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 actually, you're actually, yeah, you're, you're contributing to the freedom to kill. The kid could slap his mom. If the kid could slap his mom, all the teenagers in here, listen, if your boyfriend could slap his mom, you got to find another boyfriend. You, yeah, you got it, you got it. And, and the, here's the funny part. I got a strong amen from all the parents here. Hey, if you could slap your father in heaven and be disobedient whenever you want. We believe that choices are equivalent to freedom. So then we don't have the choice of four flavors. And I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not all hyped up on this. Don't, don't, don't try to think that I'm bringing a Marxist or a socialist thinking into the atmosphere or that, I, or that I'm just against all dressings. Okay, relax. I'm not against dressings. I'm proving a point. And what I'm proving is we have so many choices, it's ridiculous. You think that's ridiculous? Check out the next aisle. Cereal. 379, if I'm not counting oatmeals. And yes, I stood there and I counted them. You pastor, you got to get a life. <laughs> I stood there. I wanted to prove a point. I could go to Walmart. I'm not saying there's 370 boxes, guys. I'm saying there's 370 plus choices of cereal to pick from. And that's just in Walmart, yeah. And, and here's the thing, guys. When you look at this, when you say, Pastor, so what's the deal? Are you against choices? No, I'm not against choices. What I'm just saying is that there are multiple choices. In you. And you know what the problem with choices is? Here's the problem. The more choice you have, it's a proven fact. The more choices you have, the higher your level of frustration is possible. I'm going to repeat that. The higher your choices, the higher the level of frustration. If you only had one boyfriend to pick from all your life, that's it. That's it. Here, Sandy and Bruce. She's never going to get frustrated with Bruce. Bruce has been dating her since she's five. I found out the other way. Said, I'm, I'm talking to his dad. He said, yeah, he lived right next door. He would ride by in the bike. No, seriously, how, when did you meet her? How, how old were you? Second grade. Second grade. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh? He walked by Sandy, second grade. He says, you little girl, you're going to be my wife. Yeah, baby. He walked away. <laughs> he, you know, so Sandy, that's good for you, Bruce, because Sandy's not going to get frustrated. You know why? That's all she ever knew. She didn't have 378 Captain Crunches to pick. She only had Bruce. <laughs> but here it is. Check it out. Check it out. When a woman has, and here goes all the teenagers in the room, when, when, when you've had premarital sex, you just messed up your frustration level. Oh, Pastor, don't talk about that. Hey, I have two daughters in here, and I want them to listen to this. Because they were singing the other day the Grease song, and it says, um, how does it say? Oh, I want a man. Huh? Yeah, you're guilty for that. She said, I want a man. Oh, yes, indeed. I said, hey, we want what? You got me. What do you mean you want a man? No, and I want her to listen to this. When you have premarital sex, and so all those that are here that are older, like, tell them, Pastor, tell them, I'm talking to you and you're married, too. Your premarital sex messed up your mind because you had sex with somebody else. Same thing happens. That's why fornication and adultery is so bad. When you've experienced out of what you're entitled to, you have a comparison point. The choice just messed you up. 
So we're hoping that that second relationship is better, and if it's not better, or you just go through rough times, all you can think about are the good times. And that's the epitome of life. You find a man who's married, happily married, oh, and he's married with his wife. Wife is all messed up. She ain't getting ready. She ain't putting on makeup. Come on, sister, listen to me. She ain't putting on makeup. She ain't putting all those things in her hair and straighten out the hair. She ain't doing any of that. She just, you know, she, you come home, she's got those dresses with the grease on it and, you know, all the hair's out of place and she got her PJ salon she's dragging her foot and you come, she's hey, you know. Then, then get divorced. Next day, it's the Wonder Woman effect. Pastor, what's that? She goes, whoop, she got high heels on, she got makeup, she got eyelashes. Her husband comes to pick up the kid because it's his shift. On the, on the divorce rate, and when he, when he comes in, she walks up and says, Hi! You know, she just, it's a radical change. Why? Because she lost him. And here's the funny thing about it. All they can think about are the good moments that I had there, but you forget the bad moments. Or vice versa. Why? The choices can be good, but they can come to a point that they mess you up. And here's the problem about it. You have to make choices when you pick cereal. I know how my wife makes her choices. You know how? Cheapest one, that's what she's buying. <laughs> Cheapest one, that's what we're getting. When I see we have four Fruit Loops, I know they were on special. <laughs> you know? And, and, and here's the thing, but here's the level of frustration. You have this, but you had so many options. Did I pick the right one? Did I pick the right one? So, Pastor, what are you saying? Does that have to do with spiritual? It has a lot to do with spiritual. Here, I'll, I'll prove this to you. Here, I'll, I'll give you another point. Watch this. Let's say we have, I have 10 lottery tickets. And before everybody freaks out, it's very legalistic. Oh, Pastor said lottery tickets in church. It's an illustration. Relax. I didn't bring real lottery tickets. Okay? We have one guy, option A. I'm letting you pick. We have one guy with a lottery ticket, right? And then I have, and hold it right there. And I have, but I have 10 lottery tickets. So I give one lottery ticket. I'm going to give you an option. Okay, you're the guy in color, okay? I'm handing out nine lottery tickets. I'm handing out nine lottery to nine different people. Okay, you're going to pick which option you prefer, option A or option B. I'm giving the first guy, I'm giving you an option for you to have one ticket, and I'm giving nine to nine different people. Okay, so you have a chance to win, and they have nine chances to win. Okay, it's all over the place. Or option B, I give you one ticket, and I'm giving all nine Go ahead. To one person by themselves. Go ahead. All nine. Click, 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 click. Right there. Stop. I'm giving all nine to one person. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer option A to win or option B to win? Do you prefer to compete against all nine people and you have a higher chance? Or do you prefer to be B and you go against this woman and see if you have a higher chance? What do you prefer? Pick in your mind. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Okay, done. You know what I did? I surveyed people, and I put this out there. You know what I found? Check this out. 98% of the people that took the survey that I did physically, they picked option A. Why? Because they said, I have a higher chance of winning. You don't have a higher chance of winning. You know why? Because both of them have a 1 out of 10 chance to win. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. But you know why? Because you see a better option. Listen, listen, with what you see with your eyes. Now, everybody knowing where I'm going, this next one's not going to work as well. But check this next one out. Here, I'll show you this one. Now, I'm giving you option A, or males. All the men in the room say amen. amen. All, the, all the men in the room say amen. amen. 
All right, that sounds more like it. Okay, so here we have option A. I'm going to give you option A or option D to pick a, to pick a woman out. I'm going to give you an option to pick a woman out, all right? Now, when I show you her face, you get an option to pick real quick which one you would prefer. Now, all men are freaking out. Some women already look at their husband and see what he does. All right, relax, relax, relax. You're not taking her home. You're not marrying her. You're not committing adultery. You're just, you're just looking and tell me which one you find prettier, which one you would pick. Option B, okay, or option A. Stop. Okay, now you have option B or option A. Pick. You got it? All right, now you pick, all right? The majority of you picked option A. And I'll tell you why you picked option A, because you found her much more pretty. The truth about it is, let me tell you something about option A. Option A, well, she's actually a mass murderer. There's a true picture of her. She's from Australia. She took her husband or her boyfriend. She chopped him into pieces with an axe, with a, with a electric a gas saw, put him into ice box, and then made ice cream and sold it to the community. Some of you saying, "Can I change to B?" Option B. Who is she? It's a makeover. She's a model, a Christian girl, and she serves the Lord. She just wasn't ready. It's just, just a morning for her. Just a morning. Now all my sisters are feeling better saying, oh, I mean, I can, yeah. You know? Pastor, what are you saying? You get fooled by the eye, but what you see. Listen, what you see is not always what you get. Satan knows you got to make decisions, and because he knows you got to make decisions, every day he knows it is so easy to fool you. He's going to deceive you with his decisions. In, in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, John 8, 44, I'm wrapping this up. John 8, 44. I want everybody to go with me there. This is who Satan is. This is what Jesus calls him out for. John chapter 8, verse 44. Okay, you got it there? There we go. Okay. You belong, not you, this is what Jesus is declaring. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. He's going to describe the devil for us. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He who belongs to the devil carries out the father's desires. Which is the father's? His father, the devil. He who, he, he who, 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 who gets caught by Satan in spiritual warfare, you start doing things that are wrong because that's what the, your father, the devil, wants you to do. And look what he says. He says, he was a murderer. That's who the devil is. He's a murderer from the beginning. Satan's a murderer. Not holding to the truth. That's the key word. He didn't hold to the what? For there is no truth in him. Satan has no truth. There is no truth in Satan. Everything he does is a lie. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar. And the father of what? So, pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that Satan's going to lie to you. Here, here, everybody, pay attention. This is what I'm telling you. What am I telling you? This is how it works. It's half-truths. Half-truths. He tells young people here, have premarital sex. Because it's going to be good. He says to men that get frustrated with their wife, check that woman out. You got a chance with her because it's good. And I know some of you are like, Pastor, don't say that. It's not good. Oh, yeah, it's good. No, Pastor, don't say that. It's not good. It is good. Stop lying. Stop lying. Do you remember the older people when you were 16 and you were hanging out with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you were touching or feeling up and how good it felt? Don't say it's not good. It's good. Pastor, don't call what's evil good. It is good. At that moment... It is good. 
So it's true. He's going to present you with something good in the moment. Lie on this. Steal from here. Stay home. Don't go to church. Why are you going to go to church? There's so many days. Why are you going to go to Stay home. You need to rest. It is good to rest. It is good to stay home. Hey, go hunting. Hey, go play golf. Hey, go. It's all, he's always going to present you with a good option. How do you think he could? Now, when I said this, he doesn't speak, Oh, you, I'm going to kill you. Everybody laughed. But here's the funny part about it. You don't hear him like that, but subliminally, he'll give you ideas in your mind that you conceive are good. But here's the problem. His good is always temporary. He never tells you the consequences after the actions. He'll tell you, yeah, have premarital sex. But then he won't tell you about your frustration when you're married. Then he won't tell you about how possibly after you had premarital sex, that person didn't want to be with you anymore. And now you have nothing that you can conserve to give to your true, real husband. You gave it away. He didn't tell you that sense of frustration you would have wedding day when he wasn't standing in front of you, that boy anymore, and your husband's standing there, and you're thinking, my God, what did I do? He never tells you the kind of... He doesn't tell couples that are about to commit adultery. He doesn't, tell, he doesn't say, hey, look at that woman, because then your life is going to be miserable when at 12 midnight, somebody else is putting your, bed, your baby boy or your baby girl to sleep. You're going to sleep. You're going to be in your house all alone saying, oh my Lord, what did I do? My family's over there and my wife is living with somebody else. She read it and I'm here. I don't even see my kids. No, he'll never tell you that when adultery comes around. He'll never tell you the financial mess you'll get into when you get into adultery. He'll never tell you that. He'll never tell you the consequences of your actions. He'll never tell you what's going to happen. He'll tell you truths that are temporary truths. You say, Pastor, those aren't truths. Right, they're lies that look like truths. Does it feel good at the moment? Of course it feels good. You have a rush. When you, when you get drunk, you feel good at that moment. He doesn't tell you about the hangover the next day. He doesn't tell you about liver replacement. When you're smoking all the time or chewing tobacco, he doesn't tell you about lip surgery because of cancer or because of cancer in your life. He doesn't say that. He just says, it makes you feel relaxed. Hey, I feel relaxed and I pray. So, Pastor, did you go all legalistic on us today? Nah, I'm telling you how Satan plays with your mind. Here, here's, a, here's, a, here's an area that every, applies to most of you, because I know in some of that, some of you guys are like, no, I'm not going to say yes to that. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I won't touch it there, but let me, let me tell you some other areas. Wakes up in the morning and says, you're not worth anything. You're too good for this man. You're too good for this husband. You're not worth anything. Here it comes. So you start, you, you say, Pastor, but that's a negative thing. That's not a positive. That's not a good thing. That's a bad. He tells me I'm not worth anything. Right. You stand up, you look into the mirror, and you say, I'm not worth anything. I'm no good. I'm not a good husband, not a good wife, not a good husband, not a good father. Not, I'm, not a good, I'm not a good son. Come on, I'm talking to you right now. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at ministry. I'm not good at preaching. I'm not good. He, tell, oh, he talks to me all the time. And here's the problem with that. When you have that sensation, you know why he tells you that? Because immediately after that, he will present another option choice. He'll give you another dressing. He'll give you another cereal box. He says, you might be good at this. Why don't you leave this? You know how many times Satan's told me, hang up, man. Just let it go. Just let it go. Don't preach anymore. Don't teach anymore. Don't counsel anymore. Give it up. Hang it up. Walk away from it. And then immediately I walk away from it. You know what's going to show up? Choices. And the choices are spiritual warfare. It's Satan presenting me with an option for me to abandon my God-given purpose where I'm rejoiced so I could go into something that's not right. Are you listening to me? You get a chance to turn away from what's right to go to what's wrong and option B is always going to look better at the moment. 
And spiritual warfare is corrupting up on you. It's just creeping up on you. You get angry. You lose it with your wife or with your husband, with your, with your son. You lose it. You lose it. You, the relationship's just destroyed. And here's the problem. And this always happens. I mean, the parents, listen, you're, you're, you're educating your kid and you're trying with your kid and your kid is out of control. You don't know how to deal with him. And that weekend, you meet another kid who's so good. Like, this, this kid eats his beans. This kid obeys. This kid doesn't give temperature. This kid's good. This kid's at home all day. You're looking at this other kid that's great. The only reason he seems great is because he doesn't live with you. Bring him home and you'll realize your kid's got some good stuff too. But you've got to look at it and you've got to focus on the good. Pastor, what are you saying? I am telling you today that Satan is going to give you decisions, options, constantly that you have to make. He's going to make you make choices. And he's going to make the wrong choices seem like the right one. And you've got to be careful. Pastor, how do I know if it's the right choice? How do I know that? Here, let me show you something. I'm going to end with this. Exodus chapter 32, verse 25. Exodus 32, 25. There's one point before I go into this so everybody could be on the same page with me if you're new and you, you, you don't know this story. Moses is the man of God and he goes into the mountain to hear from God. When he goes into the mountain, he comes down from the mountain and when he comes down from the mountain, he was up there for a while searching for God and he left for the, the people down here with Aaron, which is his assistant. When he comes down, he stands there and they, they took, he asked for jewelry, they melted it and they built a calf. Everybody's worshiping this calf. They went to the wrong option. They, Satan told them, come on, man, Moses has been gone all this time. He's not down here. Come on, let's, give, let's worship something else. Come on, let's do something that we could see with our eyes. So they picked B. They picked the other option. They picked the other dressing. They picked the other one because they wanted the freedom to be able to choose. So, so Moses is gone. They're freaking out. Moses comes back. And the Bible says Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had, left them, had let them get out of control. And so becoming a, become a laughing stock to their enemies. He saw that they were running wild and that Aaron, listen, to all you that are Christians serving godly people, Aaron the priest, Aaron the assistant, Aaron the co-pastor, Aaron the prophet, Aaron, you did, Aaron had unfocused and looked at another option. The man of God was looking at another option. If the man of God was looking at another option, what holds you and me back from doing the same thing? He picked the wrong thing. The next verse says, So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, and I love this, and this is what I'm calling you out today, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. I'm going to end today saying this. If you are of the Lord, you need to start making decisions that make you come to Him. You need to start making decisions. When you're in front of A and B, you've got to ask, which one brings me closer to God? I promise you that if you ask yourself in front of all adversity, which one brings me closer to God, you will choose the right one. But now, here's where I'm going to. Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit, listen, listen, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And when he got there, Satan popped up in front of him. And him and Satan are looking at each other. And Satan sees him. And Satan's going to give him options that seem like good options. 
but they're fake. They're not true because Satan's a liar. And he's going to present them with the first one. And the first one's going to be a physical challenge. You know what happens? If you want to know what happens and you want to overcome physically, you've got to be here next week when I come with the first part of this series called The Attack. But now, allow me to pray for you. Father Almighty, I bless you and I thank you, Lord, because you're a great God. Because you've blessed us with your presence and because you've allowed us to be here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because your word fills us and teaches us. 